0: Chile, Chile, Chile. nuestro rincón para crear, our place to create, congreso futuro, ideas para un nuevo mundo, ideas for a new world. We want to recapture the street for the people, where they can feel safe and don't have to worry about being run over. Vishan Chakrabarti, urban development specialist. Professor at the School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University, this year he will assume as Dean of the Faculty of Environmental Design at the University of California. He is recognized for enhancing the role of urban development in the generation of innovative and sustainable design. In Chile, at Congreso Futuro 2020, Bishan Chacabardi talked about inhabiting. Good afternoon. So you've had three excellent presentations about sustainable cities. I'm going to be talking about it as an architect more from the experiential side. Um, and uh, let's see here. There we go. Ah. So a very famous 20th century architect, Mies van der Rohe, said that architecture is the will of the epoch translated into space. And what he meant by that is that architecture and our cities are actually a mirror of who we are. As a society, and so if we look in the mirror, what do we see in terms of the world that we 're building today? Uh, and what we see is a lot of cars um, and a, a lot of people have talked about a lot of dimensions of cities this morning or this afternoon. I want to sp- speak specifically about cars and streets uh, because what you 're looking at is how much space fifty people take up if they 're in a bus in a bicycle as pedestrians, or in a car. And it doesn't matter whether the car is electric, or autonomous, or an Uber. It's just how much space they take up. So, this is Santiago. You can see this anywhere. Most of you probably experience traffic in your daily lives. And our children now grow up believing that this is a street. This is not a street. This is something we invented in the 20th century that's basically a highway. People think streets were invented for cars. Streets were not invented for cars. Streets were invented for people, often for very powerful spiritual reasons or social reasons. In ancient China, some of the oldest cities in the world, the grid was about ascending to the gods by moving north. In ancient India, you would circumambulate through a grid to come through a set of city streets into the center because that was the way in which you actually uh, found spiritualism. In ancient Greece, the grid was about democracy and the idea that the equal blocks were about an equal society. In ancient Rome, There was actually a religious ceremony laying out the two major streets, the cardo and the deco of every Roman city in the Roman Empire. The idea of the streets were so powerful that it was said that every Roman soldier, no matter where they were in the world, were in Rome, simply by virtue of being in that same system of streets. All through Latin America, the Spanish colonial powers with the Catholic Church built cities according to something called the laws of the Indies, which is why many, many of the cities in Latin America have a similar scale and proportion, a zocalo where the church is located. All of those were laid out actually as an expression of Spanish colonial power and Catholic power. It was actually the first place that we saw streets designed for vehicles was in Barcelona. Where, uh, you know these uh, famous cut corners, the, the chamfered corners in Barcelona? That was designed by a civil engineer so that a cart being pulled by a horse could move around the corner more quickly without stopping. And it's the first time in human history we started building streets for vehicles and not for people. This got extended, of course, in New York City, the famous 1811 commissioners' grid, where the streets were laid out in 200 feet by 800 feet blocks for both uh, vehicles and for real estate development. Um, and this worked actually very well in the 1800s when we built housing in New York out of bricks. Uh, we had a kind of row house that we built, and then we had a horse-drawn transit. But very soon, into the late 1800s, Three major inventions, the invention of the elevator, the invention of structural steel, and the invention of the internal combustion engine, completely transformed the way we thought about cities. And what started happening is we took those grids that we designed in the early 1800s, and we tried to put that new technology into them, and it didn't fit very well. It still doesn't fit very well. And so, throughout the 20th century, we had architects, this was a famous French architect, Le Corbusier, who said, tear Paris down, build a bunch of towers and highways. In the United States, our biggest piece of infrastructure is actually our highway system, fully funded by the government in the 1950s, to disperse uh, the population in the midst of the Cold War. Uh, And this is the landscape it left us with. So when we look in the mirror, this is what we now see. And we not only see it in the United States, this is a new city outside of New Delhi, where if you try to cross the street, you take your life into your own hands. This is a city in northern China, built for, uh, for well over a million people. This is a new city in South Korea, this is what we're building for our children and our grandchildren. And then, when we want to go on vacation, we go to places like this. And we think nothing of it. We think that this is completely normal. Um, and this isn't just, you know, this is obviously Rome, but you can go to um, Shanghai, to Tokyo, uh, to Morocco. Uh, to a favela in Brazil, and actually some of our most beloved spaces and cities where we'll travel thousands of miles to go, is to go to a place that was built before the car was invented. This place is sinking, uh, but also, what's interesting to me, everything in this picture is illegal. As an architect, I can't build it today. I can't build that staircase. If the person driving the gondola hits his head on the bridge, he'll sue me. Um, Everything about this is not possible in our our society today. So instead, what we build with is, through capitalism, we build with a series of mass-produced materials that are building the same city all over the world. So in fact, this is six different apartment buildings in six continents around the world. And they land with the same horrible thud, the same sound. Because they look exactly the same regardless of where you are. Six suburban subdivisions. Again, across six continents around the world. And they look and feel exactly the same. And these are an environmental disaster of the worst possible kind. Because we know that when we live in a more urban lifestyle, when we live and we use mass transit or bicycles and walk, um, if we live in apartment buildings instead of cars, they are much more efficient in terms of heating and cooling. And so you actually have a much lower carbon footprint per person when you live in a city using mass transit than when you live in the suburbs. It doesn't matter if you put solar panels or windmills on your suburban house or drive an electric car. It, it, it won't change things. So we have to start to think about, and the last speaker was talking about, Well, how do we design sustainable cities? I think we have to go back and look at what makes us human beings. And there are certain timeless things. Most of us walk, we need light and air, we need protection from rain and snow and wind. We're subject to the forces of gravity. But there are things that are changing changing quite drastically. For instance, the millennials have changed completely how we work today. Um, we're building fewer and fewer. The m- picture in the middle is Google's new headquarters in London. It's not a big tall building, it's a big flat building. Uh, because people want to see each other across the office floor. Um, small autonomous vehicles that are driverless may form a whole new kind of mass transportation. But I also think we need to think about the social element. There was a famous Greek city planner named Doxiades, and he had this theory. He said, all around the world, every once in a while, someone who's quite different is born. He called them a blue person. That blue person felt quite lonely as a child, but then as they grew up, they moved to cities, and they found other people who think differently. Those blue people started getting together, and their ideas became contagious. And they started creating social change. This is why, whether you're in Santiago or in Cairo, you will see that protest movements happen in cities. Because often young people, but people who think differently about society, find each other in cities, and they are the reason for social change quite often. So this idea of social interaction, of face-to-face interaction is another enormous part of what we need to think about if we start thinking about a, a society with fewer cars. We have brain scientists and neuroscientists who are telling us that walking is extraordinarily good for us, not just for our health, but for our mind. That it opens our mind, it helps us connect to other people. So. One of the things we're working on in our office is the idea that if you take the space that was dedicated to the car, that if you start thinking about different kinds of technology of people biking and walking more, small autonomous vehicles that don't hit human beings because they're programmed to be safer, we can capture that space back for people, creating new forms of 21st century courtyards. And so we're working on different prototypes for this. So imagine again recapturing the street for people, where people feel safe and don't have to worry about their children running around because these very large vehicles are going to hit them. Now one of the things, this has now become a global movement, uh, there are people who say well, every city should be like Copenhagen, I don't think every city should be like Copenhagen, I'm from Calcutta, I don't want it to be anything like Copenhagen. Um, and so I worry about one size fits all solutions. I also worry about the fact that we have data that says that these more walkable and bikeable places that we're trying to build, it turns out they're more expensive because as they get more attractive, more people want to live there and gentrification starts happening. So we need to think about the city, I think, a little differently. From the 1950s, we had this idea of a central business district where everyone would sleep all around the city, and come into this one central place every day to work. Now we see most cities have many places where work is happening. With technology, that's changing dramatically, where we now see work happening across the lattice of the city. What that means is in that any one of those points, for most people, within a 15 or 20-minute walk, imagine if in a 15 or 20-minute walk, you could achieve 80% of your daily needs. You could get your fresh food, you could get your child to school, you could get your mother her health care. All of that in a 20-minute walk. Who wouldn't want to live that way? So this is something that we're trying to understand. And again, this is within the city, so you can still be part of the larger city, go to the opera, go to the movies, whatever you like about your larger city. But So this gets down to now the scale of the building and designing buildings that are more connective, that are part of mass transportation systems. And so this is something that we're very focused on in our office. And so this is a project on on the Brooklyn waterfront. And another part of sustainability, not everything has to be new. This is actually a heritage building. Um, that's an old factory building we've converted into a park. This is a, a community that never had a park and we're seeing people from very different socioeconomic classes, very different racial backgrounds, and their children are all playing in that park. The building we're converting into a, a n- new kind of creative office building. It's very dark inside. We can't open the windows because it's a heritage building. Uh, this is what the inside of the building looked like. It was an old sugar plant. Uh, If you know how sugar is made, you'll never eat sugar again, it's disgusting. Um, uh, And we're converting it into this office building, where we're implanting a new building in the old building. Um, And this is under construction right now. And so this is this marriage of the old and the new. And what's important about this is, this building, when it's built, can't be anywhere else I can't take it and move it to Santiago I can't move it to Shanghai it is part of the history of this place and that means people feel more connected to it and it's all we always focus on how does it relate to the ground floor the open space the streets and the sidewalks around it how does it feel public as a building this is uh about 2 miles from there. This is the poorest part of New York City. This is a church and our client is actually the reverend of this church. Um and he wants to build a new kind of place that's all social housing. Everything from former for housing for formerly homeless women to uh workforce housing meaning teachers and and and, and firefighters and police officers uh with these six principles. Oops. And so I drew him this sketch, and this idea that people would come to this place, and this is the existing church, there'd be a cultural center, a school, public space, all connected to the streets around it. Many, many different entrances, so people are coming. All A whole suite of social services on the ground floor. Child care, senior care, health care. Um, and so you see the buildings are fairly simple, that's the performing arts center. Um, and but again the emphasis on the streets these are streets without curbs and they're all meant for traffic to slow down so it's really about people experiencing these streets together connected eyeball to eyeball Um, Last project, this is in Philadelphia, this is a very large project, but again our goal was to create a project that could only be in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a city with a lot of red brick, it had these lovely red train cars, Um, and so we wanted to emulate that, and so we looked at how these big buildings could be better for the people on the ground. Um, and so this is, this is the main train station in, in Philadelphia. So this is an office building and an apartment building. But the whole idea is that the red is about the fact that Philadelphia is a red city. Again, you couldn't take this building and put it in Mumbai and have it make any sense. It's about connecting people to their place. Um, And it's also a fun building. You can turn it around and it still works. Um, And again, it's all about plugging the ground floor into being open public space. So anyone of any class, any race can go in. Um, And leaving these places open and public in terms of the building entrance, where stores are, where restaurants are, so everyone feels engaged and connected. And so this is right next to the train station. This is right next to the train station. So there's no parking here. This is a major new office building. The executives aren't gonna drive. The executives are gonna take the train, like everyone else, and this is how we're gonna lower the carbon footprint, but also make sure those executives are seeing everyone else, that we're all seeing each other together in the city. So I'm just going to close by kind of an idea we have about if you want to try to build more sustainable cities that are more connected, a kind of process. And our process starts with this idea of place. What is specific to a place? And so we look at the climate, the context of the place, what kind of construction technology do people use? You know, all of these glass buildings that we see everywhere, glass is not a very good... Uh, material for many, many climates around the world. So we look at all of that. Next, we look at what are the needs in building? What does the city need? What does a client need? What does the community need? And often we press our clients to say, can this project have a healthcare center? Can this project have pre-K or, in, uh, you know, th- things that the uh, community needs? And then finally this idea of connection, and this is the hardest part. When you see a new building going up in your city, do you feel connected to it? You know, And this takes on a lot of subjective ideas about what creates social connection, what creates emotional connection, what creates cultural connection. So as our cities grow and change, we're going to go from about 7 billion people in this world to about 10 billion by the end of this century. We are going to see our cities grow more. As we see them grow, how do we create this idea of place, needs, and connection? Because place needs connection. Thank you very much. Podcast Congreso Futuro.